We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. on this series under kind of like the title of the battle cry and so we're going to take a little bit of opportunity to, to spend a bit more time on that um, oh there we go okay so um, yeah the, these are some of the different topics that, that you may remember that we looked at And so we believe the battle cry is to participate in the great project. And so Nehemiah had a great project, and that was so great that he didn't want to get distracted by other things that were going on around him. And so he committed himself to the great project. So we're trying to figure out what is the great project that God is putting before us, and we think there's a, a bit of a puzzle that we're putting together. And so... We are getting some idea what the puzzle pieces are, and there's other puzzle pieces that we can't see, we're not quite sure about just yet. So the first puzzle piece that we do know about is that idea of being households together with Christ at the center. We took some time unpacking that. Uh, John spoke the week after on the ministering of the Spirit, what we mean by that. And last week I spoke about having a sharper witness. So just to give you a quick summary of some of those points. So when we're talking about households together, we're talking about parents will be released from a sense of failure and embrace their God-given call to lead their family. That households comprised of individuals and families of different backgrounds and stages of life will be places where new people can come and belong that these will be places where we consistently experience the presence of God and get equipped for what he's called us to do in this world. When we talk about ministering the Spirit, we're talking about naturally operating in the supernatural gifts. So those, those gifts are to strengthen the church and to awaken a hunger in the lost for him. That we're talking about an increased awareness and submission to the Spirit, that we would be able not just to describe who God is, but actually lead people into an experience that the Spirit would enable us to believe God's promises. How often do we think that we believe something, but you don't actually live accordingly, but the Spirit would actually enable us to believe, and that the Spirit would enable us, um, sorry, that there would be a new authority from releasing the spirit within, sorry, realizing the spirit within is breaking out. So the idea of the spirit wants to work through us and we can partner with him. I believe all those things are on offer in part of uh, the great project he's called us to. And finally, as I talked about last week, the idea of having to explain the source of our power to remain relevant and the power that comes with that. So how might these things apply to your life? Well, um, I've got some different people that are in the process of thinking some of this through, and so we're going to take a second to listen to them. But if you think of that first picture that you saw on the slide, that that response to the battle cry, there's a verse 
um, in Psalm um, 110, verse 3, talks about your troops will be willing in, on your day of battle. So this is the day of God's battle. Are we going to be willing? And it takes more than just enduring a Sunday morning and listening to someone up here talking at you to be willing. It's how does this apply to my life? How do I embrace this? That I'm not just going to let this wash over me. So we're going to hear some people that are in the middle of processing one or more of those messages. And I want you particularly to look, how are you hearing them apply this to their lives? And then you'll have the opportunity to be doing the same thing. So um, I'm going to invite Nick to come share with us first. Do you know what you're saying, or do you need me to prompt you? So you were saying to me, Nick, on Monday when I was asking you, kind of, how is this stuff touching down? And you talked about what you saw was changing in you in a particular instance with helping a young person. So just talk us through that. Yeah, so I found that God's been increasing my care for people. I generally like people and uh, like spending time with people. Um, but I've just found that he's been, yeah, increasing my care. And as, as that's happened, that's something that God's done in me, that my kind of perception of stuff and my ability to see things has increased. So... Um, with young, uh, one young person who I was chatting with, um, I just felt like as they were talking and they were sharing about how they'd come to make a certain decision, I just felt like God was increasing my care for this young person as, as they were speaking and also just showing me that their decisions are being made out of a basis of fear. Um, and... I felt like I've got to share that with this person, not as in a not in a condemning way, but in a way of, I think this is fear, and and that is not how God wants you to make your decisions. Um, and a young person recognised that and was able to sort of, yeah, receive something from God. I think in that. So, God was doing something in you to grow your care. That care then meant that you were able to see things that you might not have been able to see. And one of the things that you said to me is. I feel I've got more authority. What do you, what do you think you meant by that? Yeah, I think it's um, a combination of things in a sense of, I might have seen things or been chatting with people before, and maybe a lack of care and a bit of a lack of a sense of authority to bring that might stop me from saying certain things, but I was just seeing how much in this particular example, how much God loves this young person and wants to, for them to step into something new, that I had the authority to bring that at that point. So, this is, you're just witnessing, what is, this, what is this message, what is God doing with us? How is that beginning to kind of filter down in different people's lives? And when you hear Nick talking, I wonder if you're thinking, I want that, I want to care more. I want to see more, and then when I speak, I want it to make a difference in people's lives. And that's what I think God is offering us. Else, you all right to come? 
Do you need me to prompt you? In? Okay, I'll, I'll stay here. Um, I love that idea of participation. I hate feeling left out. So um, you talked about baiting as part of your talk last week. And I guess that, that kind of landed with me. And I was thinking about the, some of the, the words that I use in, when I'm having conversations with people. It's made me kind of be more intentional, I suppose, in the words that I'm choosing. So leaving more space for people to ask questions. So one example was um, in a meeting I was in this week, I was asked to give an example about how community group involvement with people led to health outcomes. So Dave and Tracy, I used your story as my example. But instead of just talking about friendship, I st started to talk about love and how love can be expressed. Um, and then the story of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar has really been on my mind. Um, and professionally, I interact with some powerful people. Um, and one particular, on one particular occasion, a person was expressing kind of what they were saying was expressing loneliness. And I felt God give me a specific question to ask um, about friendships. And it, it felt really awkward. <laughs> it felt like I was stepping over the line of the boundaries of our relationship at that point. But I think where it led me was that I, it showed me that God has this person in his sights um, and is someone who he loves and cares about way beyond the position that they might hold. Um, a few days later, I just felt the nudge to um, offer them a lift to, to somewhere we were both going. And they didn't take up the opportunity, but I know that because God gave me that nudge, that's part of his journey with them. So I think it's very, I find it very easy to get very task focused, but whenever I lay stuff before God, it's always about people. So, when you felt to ask that question about friendship or loneliness, did you find that the way that you were seeing the person changed? Yeah, I saw them as a, as a person who had needs, just as I have needs and all of us have needs. Thank you, Elspeth. So you, you're hearing what Elspeth's saying, there's that, that sensitivity of the spirit to delve into something, to explore, but also to be quite intentional about laying things, like giving a window into, into her faith and into her relationship that means that people can ask questions if they want to, to ask questions. But also you get that she was willing to sacrifice her platform. Right? She could have been badly received by asking those questions. And it was, a, it was something that she was... She, had, she counted the cost as she did that. Um, Jeremy. Um, yeah, just something that struck me from the talk about ministering the spirit. Um, I was just reflecting, kind of listening to it, how... Often when I think about ministering the spirit and kind of healing and prophecy and words of knowledge and all that kind of stuff, it can feel a bit 
intimidating, a little bit kind of all or nothing, like you have this amazing word of knowledge, completely accurate, you know, amazing prophecy that turns someone's life around or someone gets healed, or it's just a complete flop, and, and it just feels really, really rubbish and terrible. And I felt that actually that was almost increasing the, the sense of pressure I felt to do that kind of thing, and I'd almost feel either I go in all guns blazing or I just kind of stand on the sidelines and it's kind of one or the other. Um, and I was really struck by Tanya's story. Um, so if you don't remember, Tanya told a story about she was having breakfast in a restaurant with David and she just felt this compassion for the uh, waitress and started asking questions and felt a few things, well, could this be God? And she asked it and the lady didn't really respond as if, you know, that was, that was kind of uh, correct. And then she started praying for her and the lady walked away. And it just occurred to me, all these things are kind of like, it's almost like it wasn't going to plan. Um, but nevertheless, at the end of it, the lady said, actually, that's, that's the most care I've been shown in 17 years. And it just struck me how it's not about God doing exactly what we're expecting him to do in a situation, but being led by the Spirit is, uh, and ministering the Spirit is, is first and foremost about submission to the Spirit before it's about a particular prophecy or a particular word of knowledge or a healing or that kind of thing. Um, it's about submission to his heart, his will, his compassion in the moment. And if we do that, it's a win-win situation. Like, it, it can't really go wrong because care is shown anyway in the process. And I just found that sort of lifted some of that sense of pressure and just almost left that invitation of, okay, what's the one small step that could be made rather than, like, right, where, where's the word of knowledge? Am I going to completely, you know, jump into this type of thing? So, yeah, that, that was my sort of reflection. Thank you very much, Jim. So it, ta it takes the pressure off when you don't feel that you've got to succeed in your definition of success. And um, you remember Terry King talking about the time that he was walking into uh, a hardware store and uh, a guy said, how are you doing today? And he said, I'm doing fine. How about yourself? And he said, I'm fine. He said, really? And the guy said, oh, well, I've got this problem with my tooth. So this is a staff member talking to him. And so he says, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And then he walked off. I thought, but how do you know if it worked or not? And Terry's answer was, I didn't need to know if it worked because I knew that God gave me that opportunity and he just weaved me into his plans. And that, to me, was the greatest pleasure. I thought, how often do I need some evidence in front of me to validate that step of faith, but I just want to be part of his plans, whether or not I get to see exactly where that gets to. And the other thing that, that he said to some of us, um, maybe there's, they did some research maybe 20 years ago, and they, they said the average convert to Christianity will have come into contact with the gospel about seven times on average before they choose to submit to God. He said, maybe that's 12 now because our culture has drifted so much further away from the gospel. He said, I don't want to miss my chance to be number three in the chain. So I might not start the process, I might not end the process. I just want to be part of the process. Yeah. Even when it doesn't seem to be going part of, part of the plan. Yes, just, he looks for submission. That's what he wants from us. Okay, Fatima. Right, I'm going to sit down now. But if you go for too long, I'm going to stand up again. 
Do you, do you need my notes? Or you? Uh, no. I'm no? Yeah, you don't need any notes. I'll just make it up as I go along. Um, we were speaking last week about sharpening the spirit. Um, I think I found it very provoking and it's good because it keeps you thinking and thinking and thinking. And I kept thinking during the week and I processed this in three stages. The first stage that I kind of, I was quite amazed was when Jamie asked the question, why is it easy to speak about uh, God rather than Jesus? And that just took me back before I met Jesus, how I felt. When somebody spoke about Jesus to me, I mean, I loved him as a prophet and that's all, but don't give him more high kind of credits because that was kind of distracting. And I felt very anxious and upset and angry. I didn't like when people say that he was son of God because I said, that's no, 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 no. But then I met Jesus and I understood the truth and I understood that the place that God has given him. So when I met Jesus, everything changed. I knew that, um, yes, he's a son of God. God gave him the high road, gave him the, the he is called the Lord of Lords, and he holds the keys of heaven and, and earth, you know, life and death. So I was thinking to myself, um, if God used Jesus to reveal his heart to us, and then Holy Spirit reveals Jesus through us to the world, then why are we not doing it? So when I met Jesus, sometimes even Christians were offended because I spoke about Jesus. And uh, either we knowingly or unknowingly, enemy uses this tactic to kind of undermine the name of Jesus because God gave him the role. So enemy's work is to undermine that role. And uh, again, I'm not speaking about just this church, but church in general, enemy has managed to convince Christians, some of us, some of us to undermine that name. So we don't use Jesus often. So when Jamie asked that, I was like, yes, we should mention Jesus more and more and more and more because that's the whole point. There is power in the name of Jesus. Um, the second part is, uh, Jamie said, how can we sharpen the witness? And I was thinking, as I got home, I was thinking like, oh, how can I do that? How can I, is there something that I need to do more or better? And then um, one of the points, Jamie, he mentioned a few points, but one of them was willing to risk your platform. And I was thinking, okay, is there anything I need to risk? Is there anything like probably I should be aware of maybe in the future or I should be better if I am aware of this? So he used uh, the example of Esther and uh, Abraham. But for me, it was more about, I was thinking back and thinking, okay, the platform that I struggled the most before I met Jesus was I had trust issues. And that wasn't uh, without a reason because I was stabbed and I was um, betrayed as I grew up and I didn't trust people close to me and I was kind of protecting myself from them. But when I met Jesus, God taught me another way that I can trust Jesus first and of, of course, I can trust other people close to me as I trust Jesus. And I learned that, that way, and I was very grateful. But then, does this mean it's finished there? Often, when I struggle in life, enemy comes again and hits me back with this. If I'm, for example, going through difficulties or fear of something, it comes back uh, reminding me, oh, are you sure? So now I have to choose, make a choice. Do I listen to what enemy is saying and manipulating me through feelings? Or do I choose to believe that God has it all together and he has put me in a place where I need to trust people that I am in contact with or people that I am willing to be led as I trust unto the Lord. So I think that's a choice I need to make. And the last part, have I got time? And the last part is applying. I think I was just thinking about that. How can I apply? 
And then we do agree, all of us agree, that Jesus came to reveal the God's, God's Father, um, God the Father to us. Sorry, I'm just muddling up. And then the Holy Spirit's role, I'm trying to speak sp fast so that I can have the time. <laughs> Holy Spirit's role is to partner with us to reveal Jesus to the world. So like if he's partnering with us, then I, we need to be careful because he's going to talk to us. He's going to reveal things to us. If we're not listening, then we are not with that partner. We are not in the journey. So I was just thinking of a, a recent example I had. Um, I work as an advocate and I was in a care home, um, obviously doing my work. And all of a sudden, I was in my desk and the manager was in her desk. And all of a sudden, I had this pain, this um, feeling of compassion. I turned around, she was very busy trying to do her task and she looked very lost in her work. And I just, I said to her like, I, I know this is gonna sound so weird, but I just feel like I need to pray for you. Can I pray for you? She looked shocked and she said, hmm, okay. So I said to her like, I believe in Jesus, so I'm gonna mention his name. She said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So right there, I started praying for her. And I just said to her, like, I just prayed that God is going to protect her for provision, health, and, and uh, peace. I finished, and then she looked at me and she said, oh, wow, that's interesting. How did you know this? I didn't know anything. And I said to her, like, I don't know anything. And she said, but, you know, this is my last day at work. I'm being fired because I was battling cancer for so long and I missed work, so I'm being fired and I need to finish everything now today. And she said that she was a single mom with a single kind of young daughter and, and she was struggling. So, and she kept saying to me, like, how, how do you know? How do you know all of this? And I said to her, like, I didn't, but Jesus does. And that was an opportunity for me to minister to her about my story and how Jesus loves her and is there for her. And I think, that's, I think the, the point that I'm trying to make is if we are listening carefully and step in faith, God makes us to reveal the source. So I, I'd asked you a diff, an additional question, didn't I? Um, so I love that story uh, with the, the care home manager. Why do you think that story ended up happening? I, she was, she was oh, is it, can you hear me? <laughs> she was struggling for so long, and um, I believe God used that opportunity through me to speak to her, to reveal Jesus to her, to tell her that there is another way and there is a better way, and that God knew her struggles. God knew where she was at. So that's what I think. Um, there is a, a number of things that stick out to me in, in that story. Um, I don't think she framed, phrased it quite like she did when, when she'd written it to me, but um, Fatima had said, so she's sitting, she happens to be sitting in the same office as the um, care home manager, both of them working on their computers, both of them got, got their heads down. And she said, all of a sudden, this compassion came over me. I turned my head and I looked at her, doesn't that not sound a little bit like that in Acts 3? Peter was going up the steps. That same beggar had been on those, the steps of the temple every day. Peter had been going there every day, but yet he fixed his gaze on the beggar. There was a perception, because there was a compassion, there was a perception. And there's a willingness to then act on what God allowed 
her to see, what God allowed Peter to see. And it's interesting because then she used her own ability to assess the situation. And she said, she looked stressed. So that was actually what she could see with her natural eyes. But God uses that at times, that we can actually, oh, this person has just grabbed my attention. Now I'm thinking, why has this person grabbed my attention? What is God doing or showing me? And so she said, is everything okay? And the woman said, I just need to finish my work. That was the first kind of shutdown. I would have been done. Okay. Yeah. All right. But, I mean, it's not just, I mean, Fatima would just keep continuing anyway. (laughs) But I think there was something that was rising up in her, the compassion, just like when Tanya said, I had this fear that that waitress might be talking to all the other waitresses, stay away from table 17, their fruitcakes. But she said, but it was more important to me that she knew how much God loved her than I looked dignified. And I think that's what we see, that that vulnerability to, to push forward. And she said, I'm not, Fatima had said to her, I'm not sure how this is going to sound. She didn't have any guarantee it was going to be received. And offered, would you like me to pray for you? And so she does it in the name of Jesus. And even in that, felt led to pray for those particular things. This is the working in partnership with the Spirit that isn't just for Fatima, isn't just for Tanya, it's for all of us. I believe this is going to become the standard of who God's called us to be. This is why it's a great project that he's calling us to, which we don't want to get distracted from. We don't want to miss this opportunity to work hand in hand with God. Let's take an opportunity now. Now, Do I want you one? Yeah. Chat to the person next to you. What have you heard? What's stuck out to you from what you've heard this morning? Okay. Let me get a little bit of let me get a little bit of feedback. What is standing out to you from what you've heard? Is there there's something that's kind of rising up in you? It's like I want that. Let me see it. Say again, Tracy. You want to hear God's voice speaking to you. Great. Who else wants that? Oh, I want it. Even when I'm not in a meeting. I want it when I'm in the, in the supermarket. I, I want to know what he's up to. I want to be part of his plans. Yeah? What else did you hear that you want? This is a time to be greedy. Yeah? I, I honestly believe we're going to take a time to respond in a little bit. But God's actually asking you, what do you want from me? James. Okay, you, you want to see that, that increased speed of people coming to know him. Yes, that's good. Yes, Heather. Boldness. Boldness, okay, yeah. That, that, 
There's a, Heather, there's a book that was popular at one stage, which was fear, feel the fear and do it anyway. And I've always wondered about boldness. Is boldness something you feel before or afterwards? I don't know. I, I think boldness is sometimes what we recognize in the rearview mirror. Oh, I was bold just then, rather than we, we don't feel the fear. But what I want is I'll do it anyway. Even in the face of fear, I'll do it anyway. Yeah. To be overflown with the Holy Spirit. Yes. What do you think that would mean for you, Hillary? What would, how would you describe what a day being overflown with the Holy Spirit might feel like? Okay. An increased capacity to care, to see people how he sees them, to see opportunities how he sees them. I want to live, I want to live life like that. I don't want it just to be the occasional time. I want it to be a regular time for me. What else are you hearing? Leonie. Great expectation of God intervening again and again and again and again. Yes, yes. A really, that, so for those that didn't hear that, a greater expectation that God is at work, that he's up to something. It's the phrase I often use. It comes from um, when Jacob wakes up from, from that, that dream. He says, surely the Lord was here the whole time, and I just wasn't aware of it. He's here. He's up to stuff. In every human heart, God is working. I just want to be able to see like he sees, so I can just row in with what he's up to. What else do we want? Take the pressure off so that I don't feel I've got to succeed. Okay, so exactly what Jeremy was saying. That I don't ha- this doesn't have to follow the track that I think it should tra- follow. All I've got to say is, God, I, I surrender to you. Yeah. Judy? Okay, yeah, fear of rejection. That really hinders. I mean, I, I'm, I'm comparing that with what um, Fatima had said. What, what is the platform that I've got to be willing to sacrifice? And she's saying, willingness to trust people. Because God puts us in community for the sake of iron sharpening iron, so we can see him better together. C.S. Lewis talked about, um, he was friends with Tolkien and this, this other guy, I can't remember his name, Dave's probably on there. You can't remember, Charles. Um, and when Charles died, no, Charles is C.S. Lewis, isn't it? I'm getting muddled up. All right, there's three blokes, three blokes. And when one of the guys died, he said, well, at least I'll have more of this friend now, now that we're not a three. And what he discovered was, you know what, I ended up having less because I needed the third guy to draw out that laughter. I don't, he doesn't laugh like that anymore. And you think... If, that's, if you need multiple people to draw out the value of one person, how many people do you need to draw out the value of who God is? I can see aspects of God that I can allow you to see, and you can help me see aspects of God that I can't see. We need each other. What else do we need? What else do you want? Yeah. Have Sorry. Yes. Yeah, compassion. Compassion, the love that comes out. Dave? Being prepared to be a fruit, more of a fruitcake. <laughs> <laughs> There's degrees, isn't there, for some of us? <laughs> prepared to be a fruitcake for Jesus. 
I think there's a bumper sticker there. Yeah. I'll become even more undignified. Hmm. Is it, is it worth it? Is he worth enough to become undignified? Hmm. Andy. Okay, the ability to see Jesus. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, he will come and remind you of the things that I've said. We need the Spirit to teach us and reveal to us the very things that the Bible offers us and what Jesus offered us. Hmm. Those are good things. wonder where those desires have just come from that you've just articulated. I think that's the Spirit in you already crying out for the very thing that God wants to give you. While we were listening to that song, I was singing the song, um, Jesus, uh, My Jesus, My Saviour, there's a line in it, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. And I was thinking about that because there's so many among us that are having a tough time. And it was at, at the uh, recent leader's Weekends, there was an opportunity to respond, and I just stood at the back and I just watched pretty much everyone respond for prayer at the end. And I thought, I know your story. It's like there is such pain and such struggle and such difficult circumstances that you're facing. But then I thought, but look what you're doing with it. You're using it as a basis for running to your father, coming back to him. And I thought, what, what honor it is to serve amongst such heroes of the faith that you are, that God has called you to be who you are. And when I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking that's what we're doing. We're letting every breath, not just the ones where everything's going all right. And I think, there's, I think something that God is leading us into is a greater intensity in our love for God that overcomes any and all circumstances that we face. That doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. In fact, it's pretty guaranteed not to be that way. But when, again, I'm using Terry King's example, he, he told us uh, at the, the leaders weekend, uh, the time before last, he, he has Parkinson's disease. And he said, I know the trajectory of this disease. But he said, as long as, as, as long as there's breath in my lungs, I will praise him. And there's something about that cry inside him that I think I saw amongst all those leaders at that time. And I see many of you. You know what? If all I've got is a beating heart... Let it beat for his glory and his worship. And there's a point where there is a seeing of him as the ultimate prize that, that means nothing that fails on earth can steal that away from us. And I think there's, there's an invitation to us that God no longer remains as a means to an end 
I follow God because it puts me in a nice, loving community. I follow God because it makes me feel better when I feel low. To actually, he is the end in himself. He is worth all of those things. That these things can fall away, and yet I'd still have something that I see in him that makes it worth being here. And when you think, I think Dan Moeller, um, he's a preacher from the U.S., said, sometimes you find it disheartening asking people, how are you doing? Just, uh, just everything's just so miserable for me, people, a lot of the time. Uh, it's about, life's a grind, life, life's a pain, life's a struggle. He said, but life's a gift. You've got 70-odd years to live with the spirit of Christ inside you, affecting this world for his purpose. And I think, We can serve God in a way, this side of the veil, that we won't be able to serve him on the other side. We still have other things to serve him with on the other side of death, and it's going to be awesome. I I can't describe you to you. The Bible doesn't go into a lot of detail about it. I just can guarantee it's going to be awesome. But we can serve him in a way right now. I was talking to someone the other day, and they are saying, you know what, God just dropped the revelation into me. Something that um, Bill Johnson had said. I can give God something right now that I can't give him in eternity. I can give him worship in the face of pain. And that's that's such a gift. I can give him something that I won't be able to do for the rest of eternity because I won't feel pain anymore. And so I think there's an invitation that God is giving us. It's like, come see me. And when you see me, man, makes that career promotion just drop down the ladder. It makes that platform that you've got just drop. And I think that's something that he's inviting us to. And in a few minutes, we'll have Peter, if that's right. Pete, you're still here. Can you come bring that, bring that shout to the Lord song? Yeah. And I think I want to just invite you guys to, do you want every breath, every breath to worship him? Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. I think there's a call to respond to that. And I believe that he wants to give us a sight of him that means that it will back up that decision. And then after that, we're going to take some opportunity to respond to some of the things that you've said. Pete, come on up. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.